Welcome to the Awesomers.com podcast. If you love to learn, and if you're motivated to expand your mind, and heck, if you desire to break through those traditional paradigms and find your own version of success, you are in the right place. Awesomers around the world are on a journey to improve their lives and the lives of those around them. We believe in paying it forward, and we fundamentally try to live up to the great Zig Ziglar quote, where he said, you can have everything in your life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. It doesn't matter where you came from, it only matters where you're going. My name is Steve Simonson, and I hope you will join me on this awesomer journey. If you're launching a new product manufactured in China, you will need professional, high-resolution, Amazon-ready photographs. Because Simo Global has a team of professionals in China, you will oftentimes receive your listings photographs before your product even leaves the country. This streamlined process will save you the time, money, and energy needed to concentrate on marketing and other creative content strategies before your item is in stock and ready for sale. Visit simoglobal.com to learn more, because a picture should be worth 1,000 keywords. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Hey gang, Steve Simonson. I'm coming back to you again with another Awesomers.com podcast episode. And today is a very special episode number 100. That's right, 100 episodes, everybody, in just 100 days. And I have to say, it's destroying my life. Uh, oh my gosh, it takes a long time. Uh, I do love it when I'm doing it, but I have to say that it has taken a ton of my time. So today uh, is another Story Time with Steve uh, episode. And I'm going to tell you about uh, a lesson I learned, uh, a couple lessons probably, way back in the olden days. So uh, take yourself back to the early 80s, if you will. And for those of you millennials who weren't born yet, uh, you know, look it up on Wikipedia or whatever the relevant uh, news source may be. Uh, or maybe watch some of the old favorites like Ghostbusters or Die Hard to see how the 80s uh, looked in real life. So anyway, uh, in... The early 80s, I don't remember exactly the time frame. I'm going to say it was 1982 or 1983. I was a paper boy for the Stars and Stripes magazine. So you can imagine me um, at 12 or 13, I have to get up pretty early. And, um, and by pretty early, let me explain. The papers would generally arrive by about 4 a.m. And so I would be there when the truck arrived. Uh, I, would, I lived on a fourth floor apartment. My uh, father was in the military. We lived in military housing, and it was a big high-rise, and I lived on the fourth floor. So I would look down, and when the paper truck would arrive, I would uh, go down, and I would grab the papers. And I actually uh, I had somewhere around 400 houses on my route. And they weren't houses, again, because it was kind of like a high-rise apartments. It was all military. It was, all, it was a military paper called the Stars and Stripes, by the way. And so it wasn't really 400 houses, like you have to go to each individual house. You may go into a stairwell, and that stairwell would have eight, I believe, um, apartments in it. And then I would stuff the newspaper into the, the mailbox for each of those, whoever was a, a subscriber. Now, in addition to getting up at 4 a.m., I had to do it at 4 a.m. because uh, I had school that I actually had to leave for by 6 a.m. So within two hours, I had to be out the door. Now, I want to just call out to your attention that I was in Germany at the time, and uh, you know the Stars and Stripes was um, the military paper, so that anybody who was a service member could get a U.S. English-speaking paper. And part of my job was to deliver those papers. By the way, I split half of the route with a um, a, a fellow that I knew uh, uh, from church, and 
he was from Ghana and he would do half of the route and I would do half of the route. And basically I would get paid $1 for each paper that I would deliver over the course of every day of the year. So every day of the month, every day of the year, every day a paper had to go. And of course, Sundays were big papers and heavy days. So every single day I had to deliver a paper and for the privilege of delivering that one paper, let's just call it 30 times in a month, I would get $1 at the end of the month. So if there was 400 on the route and we split it evenly with my buddy, he would get $200 and I would get $200. And as a 12 or 13 year old, I was rolling pretty heavy, right? That, that's pretty serious money. I was able to buy a Walkman. And again, millennials go look that up, but uh, I paid like $400 to have a little tiny uh, cassette player essentially called a Walkman from Sony with, with uh, headphones. And I thought it was the coolest cat on the block because nobody had ever walked around with such a tiny thing and just had the music beaming into your ears. So uh, anyway, it was, it was a hard job, but you know, it produced uh, some reasonable income, uh, especially for a 12 or 13 year old. So one of the things that happens throughout the year is not only do you have to deliver the paper every day, once a month I have to go collect the money in person and I put the money in envelopes or whatever and then I give it to the paper. Uh, and by the way, I'm supposed to go out and sell further subscriptions, right? So man, uh, talk about taking advantage of child labor. They really had quite a gig going. Uh, so I'm supposed to be out there selling new subscriptions. I'm supposed to be out there collecting for the existing subscriptions. And then I also have to deliver and make sure every single one gets to its place every single day forever. So it was a big job. Uh, but I was, um, I was happy to do it. And, you know, it, I was a hard worker as a, as a young person and perhaps even as an older person as I am now. But that work ethic was instilled to, with me early on from my, from my parents. And so, you know, I would just kind of do it day in and day out. And it, it would be a chore at times. In fact, when I was sick, I had to have my brothers and sisters help me out who were even younger than me. And they would be out there hustling around these big, heavy, you know, paper sacks and so forth. I'm not even sure if I paid them or gave them anything for it, or they just helped out of the kindness of their heart, or at least the threat of violence from my parents. Uh, whatever it was that motivated them, uh, I always appreciated that help uh, if I was down for the count. Uh, but most of the time, I would say I probably got up and got it done all by myself. So we're going to take a quick break. When I come back, I'm going to talk about one of those aha moments that I had as a paper boy in Germany in the early 80s. We'll do that right after this break. Hey, Amazon Marketplace professionals. Congratulations on your success to date. Your creativity, strategic vision, problem solving, and discipline have allowed you to build your own e-commerce business. Wouldn't it be great if you had more time to focus on the things that truly drive the sales and growth of your company? Instead of getting lost in a dozen different services and countless spreadsheets, what if there was one system that connected to your Amazon account and automatically gave you the information that you needed to make great decisions and really impact your business? Parsimony ERP can do that. Parsimony is the business operating system for your marketplace business. With Parsimony, you get true double entry bookkeeping, easy financial statements, full customer service tools, and item by item profitability, along with project and task management, and more features are being added all the time. Learn more at parsimony.com. That's parsimony, P-A-R-S-I-M-O-N-Y.com. Parsimony.com. We've got that. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Okay, everybody, we're back again, Steve Simonson, and I'm just sharing a little bit of my story time with Steve uh, in this episode. And 
it, I reflect back on this story from time to time because it taught me lots of lessons. So first of all, the value of hard work shouldn't go unnoticed, right? The fact that a 12 or 13 year old can literally wake up every single day at four in the morning, deliver papers for two hours, and then go to school at 6 a.m. Uh, we, we had to arrive by 6.30 and it, uh, we had a transportation that took about a half an hour to get to the English speaking high school. So every day I'm up at 4 a.m., I'm doing the, you know, uh, paper out for a couple hours. Then I go to school. I do the school all day, come home and, uh, you know, do the homework and, and carry on with the rest of my, my day. So it was a very tough schedule. So first of all, you know, young people have a lot of stuff that they can do. And I think we underestimate what they can do in some ways uh, at times. And I, you know, it, maybe it's because of my empathy or, uh, but I, I don't make my kids work that hard. And my parents didn't make me work that hard. In some ways, I chose to work that hard. And part of it was to just earn a little bit of extra money. But it definitely taught me the value of hard work. Um, as I was going through and I was delivering the papers every single day, I would have time to kind of think um, because it became a very almost autonomic response, right? It, it was like I would go into a stairwell. I knew the stairwell. I knew, you know, out of eight slots, I need to put four papers in these slots and then move on to the next one. And I would just do that over and over and over. And it would change slightly if you get a new subscriber, somebody drops off. But for the most part, it stayed relatively consistent. And so I got to feel systemic about it. And, uh, you know, when the papers would show up on time and then I would go do my thing, I could, my brain would even tune out and I would think about other things or I would think about, you know, the benefits of what I was going to achieve with the money I was earning. Uh, and some days I was, I'm sure I would probably just sit there and feel sorry for myself and go, oh, this sucks. I don't know why I have to do this. But I did it anyway. And that's, uh, that kind of reminds me of the, the Amazon philosophy about disagree and commit. So in Amazon, I, I think one of the most effective parts of their culture is this idea that, hey, we can, we can talk about a strategy. We can even debate different points of strategy. But at the end of the day, the, whoever the leader is, is going to make that decision. And even if you disagree, fine, you verbalized it, you've disagreed, but you commit to whatever the solution is, whatever that strategy is. So even though every day I didn't love what I was doing, I, so I disagreed in kind of a way, I still committed and I still got the job done. I didn't try to you know, create problems for the, you know, the, the route. Um, and that's what happens a lot of time in corporate organizations. Somebody who's not feeling the love, somebody who's not feeling like they're being valued, they will often uh, disagree and then sabotage, which is like the worst, right? And that's, that's when you have somebody in your organization who is actively disengaged and they are trying to hurt the company. Sometimes it's conscious, often it's subconscious, where they're just like, you know what? I told him that was a bad idea, and so I'm not going to help him or her with it at all. And if they ask for my help, I'll, you know, I'll give them FaceTime and lip service, but I'm not going to actually do anything to help. So I, I just, I, I really want to point out that this idea of disagree and commit is a really important philosophy. And I've had organizations, I've had people that would either disagree and commit, which is fine, or they would disagree and they would create problems, which is not fine, right? And that's that's something you can't have in an organization. So you have to take quick action to, to deal with that. And it reminds me of going back to that, one of my axioms, I believe it's number six, do what needs done when it needs doing. This applies to a paper route. This applies to disagree and commit. It applies to all of these things. Now, 
uh, I want to want to carry forward to a story uh, or carry on with this story about the paper route because there's another lesson I learned that was very, very important. So around Christmas time, the was the best time for a paper boy <laughs> because I still would have to deliver all the papers around Christmas, as you would expect. Uh, you know, people still want the news and so forth. But uh, I would also collect at that time. And the, the cost for the Stars and Stripes paper was $4.50 per month. Now, occasionally people would give me a $5 bill and go, hey, keep the change, kid. And, you know, I was like, wow, that's just 50% increase on my income for that, that particular uh, customer. Because out of that $4.50, as I mentioned earlier, I would only keep a dollar per month. So that means the paper itself had $3.50 to operate and do whatever they did. But the delivery guy got one of those dollars. And so if they gave me an extra 50 cents as a tip, man, I was living large. That is like golden. And I'll be honest, as the collector, I felt I was getting the tip and I didn't pass it on to my subcontractor doing the other 200 pages. Maybe I was a greedy little punk. I don't know. But I felt like since I did all the collections and did all the subscription sales and uh, still delivered my half that uh, I was entitled. So there you go. Hashtag entitled uh, Gen, Gen X. Uh, so anyway, so around Christmas, as you might imagine, some people were even more generous. But more often than not, they would give the five and say, hey, keep the change, kid. By the way, that happened less than half the time in the other months, but more than half the time in the Christmas time. And on rare occasions, somebody else would pull out even a bigger bill. Hey, here's a $10 bill. Knock yourself out. Um, and so that was just like, you know, glory days were here again. So I, I, I definitely was my... I normally hated to go collect, you know, month to month, but during Christmas time, that was definitely the time that collection was uh, made a little more sweet by getting a little extra something from uh, each of the subscribers. Now we're gonna take a quick break. When I come back, I'm gonna tell you about a subscriber that uh, that kind of got in my face and tried to tell me the way it was. And at 12 or 13, I had to figure out how to stand my ground and really uh, was faced with that fight or flight question and we're going to do it right after this break catalyst 88 was developed to help entrepreneurs achieve their short and long-term goals in e-commerce markets by utilizing the power of shared entrepreneurial wisdom entrepreneurship is nothing if not lessons to be learned learn from others learn from us i guarantee that we will learn from you visit catalyst88.com because your success is our success a giddy up you're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Okay, we're back again, everybody. And uh, it's me, your little buddy, Steve Simonson, talking about uh, one of my old paper route memories and where I learned a really an important series of lessons. Some of those I've shared along the way, but the most important one I'm coming to now. So as I mentioned uh, before the break, I was collecting during the Christmas time route uh, or the Christmas time, holiday time, whatever, from everybody on the paper route. And, um, you know, most of the time the people were, you know, hey, happy holidays, kid. Here's a, a, you know, five bucks, keep the 50 cents or the, you know, two bits, whatever. Uh, or they would say, um, you know, here's a $10. Uh, knock yourself out. Have a great, uh, you know, holiday, kid. And, you know, I appreciated that. And it made a big difference to somebody who only makes a buck uh, for the entire month of delivery plus collection plus uh, whatever uh, paper sales I try to do during the month. So I came to this one house and uh, I was a very professional young man. And I would say, you know, uh, uh, 
you know, good evening. It's me, Steve Simonson. I'm your paper boy, and I'm here to collect for the Stars and Stripes for the month of, you know, December, January, whatever it was. I don't know if we collected a month in advance or how it worked, but I'm here to collect. And uh, and this lady, she was at the door, and she says, she kind of just started in on me. She's like, well, hey, the paper's been late like three or four times uh, this month. And in fairness to her, it had been late. But I told her, I said, yes, ma'am, I understand. Uh, the paper's been late, but here's why. And I explained that, you know, by the time, the, by the time I have to leave for school at 6 a.m., if the papers aren't there, I have to leave and I do them when I get back. That's the nature of going to school. If the paper truck's not there, you know, I have, I have another thing I have to do, that's school. Um, and so I apologized and I said, you know, I'm very sorry about that. And particularly during this, this time of year, we would get snow on occasion and the snow would slow the trucks down definitely much more than normal. As you might expect, the trucks just simply can't drive as fast on the snow covered roads. So I said, you know, due to the snow and due to the late truck, uh, you know, I, as soon as I, I wait up from 4am to 6am waiting for the truck the entire time. When they're not there, I have to go to school. My apologies. But as soon as I get home from school, I run around and I deliver all those papers as quick as I possibly can. I am indeed very sorry for the delay. And I wasn't, you know, trying to look for a tip or anything. I was just explaining the way it was. And she just, she's like, well, I don't think I should have to pay. And if you're not going to deliver it on time. And she just, rah, 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 rah. And, and she just was digging into me. And, and I mean, it was not. It was not subtle. It was hardcore beating down a 12 or 13 year old kid for delivering the paper late three or four times out of, you know, the entire year, basically. And at one point, I just remember this vividly, just one point I had this aha moment and it, the light just went off of my head or the ding, bing. And I said, I just, she was just ran, 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 just right in my face. And, and I was polite and I was taking it, but that, that moment happened with the aha. And I just said, you know what, ma'am? I just kind of put my, my hand up towards her face. I said, I understand. If you don't want to pay, you don't have to pay. But I have uh, bad news for you. I have the only English-speaking newspaper in the entire country. And if you want it, you have to go through me. You don't want the paper? That's fine. You can go get it yourself at the store. But I'm the only way you're going to get personal delivery. You don't want to be on my route? You're off the route. And I turned to walk away. And suddenly, from out of nowhere, like the husband jumps to the door kind of brushes back to the wife softly goes, Hey kid, I don't know what the problem is, but uh, you know, we're not, we'll pay. We, we have no problem paying. He gives me a 20 says, keep the change. Don't worry about it. Uh, sorry for the problems. Don't worry. You'll get no trouble from us. Right. Th this whole thing boiled down to, I had something that she couldn't get without going through me. And, and so the lesson was, you know, I'm, I'm fine to be polite and I'm fine to be professional but if I'm going to be beaten down, I had to ask myself, is the juice worth the squeeze? And I, I don't think I used those words at that time, but that's my axiom 14. Is the juice worth the squeeze? And it wasn't worth the squeeze. This woman was being mean. She was beating down, you know, a kid essentially. But this kid luckily was able to get his mind right and, and, uh, and just realize, you know what? This ain't worth it. So you know what? Customer, you're fired. And, and honestly, that changed the whole dynamic, right? The husband leaps to the, the foreground and, you know, pays off the kid and, you know, hey, uh, you'll get no problem from us. This, that changed the entire dynamic. I could have stayed and gotten beaten down and said, yeah, I'll bring the paper for a month for free out of my own pocket. Like, you know, how is that fair? 
And so the moral of the story is, you know, first of all, I do put my name on it. That's another axiom of mine. And I, I do want to be professional and I want to be accountable for what I deliver. And when I'm, when I'm not delivering up to my uh, standard or the standard that's expected, I take uh, the hits for it. And I explain, you know, the reasons they're not bad reasons. If it snows and the truck's not there, I still was awake. I was still ready to go. And I still did the job when I got home, but she was not satisfied with that. And so I just said, you know what? I'm tired of listening to this. I'm tired of getting beaten down. You're fired. And uh, <laughs> to quote an old apprentice saying, uh, that's what my son used to say to me uh, when he was uh, very young, dad, you're fired. And apparently I was watching Apprentice too much as a kid, as a young person. So anyway, my point is, if if you put your name on it and somebody's still beating you down, figure out if the juice is worth the squeeze. And if it's not, just stop doing it. You don't have to take abuse. You don't have to take um, uh, behaviors or be around behaviors that are either insulting or unnecessary. And I've been exposed to all kinds of bad behaviors in my life. And you know, in many ways, I try to rationalize and say, okay, you know, this is where that person's coming from. Let me be patient. But there's a point where that aha moment just goes off. And my point with this lady, you know, it just went off. And it's like, you know what? I have the only English speaking newspaper in the entire country. That I'm the only guy who delivers an English speaking paper in that, you know, particular area. You can't go anywhere else. You can go to the store and get it, but knock yourself out. That's uh, going to cost her effort. And so I just, I had had it. And it was a great lesson for me. I've never forgotten that lesson. And I still even remember almost that visceral feeling when the aha moment happened. Because, you know, for the first while, I felt guilty and I felt ashamed at letting her down. And then over time, it's like I became like, you know, I explained what happened and you're still being mean to me. You're still beating me down. And then it got on to, you know what, I'm, uh, I'm not going to take this anymore. And uh, I don't care what it costs me. I don't need your subscription. In fact, I think I went on to tell her at some point, you're only worth $1 to me per month. I come here every day, you're worth $1 to me. And this is the abuse I have to take. Not anymore. You're done. You're off the route. Don't pay. That's fine. And, uh, and that's when the husband leaped in with the solution. So uh, my point is, you know, make sure the juice is worth the squeeze. If you're putting your name on it, then you should have nothing to be ashamed of. And it's okay to be patient. It's okay to be professional, but don't let it go beyond that. There are limits and people should be responsible for their own behaviors. I hope this was instructive. I hope it was helpful. And uh, it certainly was a pivotal moment in my life. And uh, I'm happy to share it with all you awesomers out there. Um, again, this has been episode number 100, a very special episode, just because it's a round number. And uh, it's a story time with Steve episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll talk again soon. Empower. The name says it all. Connecting e-commerce entrepreneurs with great people, ideas, systems, and the services needed to stay business dynamic and to grow. Empower is a network, a cooperative venture of tools and resources to make you better at what you do. Because we love what you do. We are you. Visit Empowery.com to learn more. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Well, we've done it again, everybody. We have another episode of the Awesomers Podcast ready for the world. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you've enjoyed our program today. Now's a good time to take a moment to subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Heck, you could even leave a, a review if you wanted. Awesomers around you will appreciate your help. It's only with your participation and sharing that we'll be able to achieve our goals. 
Our success is literally in your hands. Thank you again for joining us. We are at your service. Find out more about me, Steve Simonson, our guest, team, and all the other awesomers involved at awesomers.com. Thank you again.